It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. You know, that's kind of all we said about it. But did you know when you begin to consider the physical heart that, um, you know, blood touches every part of your body. Every cell of your body needs blood. Your lungs need blood. Your brain needs blood. Your, your, your kidneys, your liver, your stomach, your intestines, every part of your body, any part of your body that the blood flow is cut off from, it starts to die. Well, we could use that redemptively, couldn't we? Any part of your life where the blood doesn't flow starts to die, amen? But you know, that's why you ought to take care of your physical heart. Is because that heart works very hard uh, to pump that blood. But then as we begin to study the last couple of weeks, we begin to see that according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter 4, that we are a three-part being. Our identity is wrapped up in three parts. We're spirit. Everybody say spirit. Soul. Everybody say soul. And body. We know the body's the, body's the physical flesh. Spirit man, the real us, the, uh, the man on the inside. The Bible calls it the hidden man of the heart. The uh, 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 Bible calls it the new creature, amen, new creature in Christ Jesus. Uh, that part of us which is born again is spirit. And then we know that our soul is comprised up of our mind, the way we think, our emotions, the way we feel, and our willpower, that's the choices we make, amen? And then we saw very plainly that developed in between the spirit and the soul and also in between the soul and the body can be the heart, we talked about like the heart of an athlete. I, I, this week I saw some things uh, about marathon runners. And uh, I'm not a marathon runner, amen? I have no heart to run 26 miles. Do we have any marathon runners? I know there's a couple of guys in here that do it. And, and so, uh, uh, and they'll, they'll concur with our, what I'm fixing to say. They say that if you learn to run marathons, especially those long ones like the Boston Marathon, the one they do in Houston, New York Marathon, all these kinds, where you run all these miles, you come to a place called the wall. You ever heard that term? And that's literally a place in which your body starts shutting down. Now, if you've not developed a heart for that race, you'll quit. I watched a show the other day about uh, 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 Navy SEALs, the, the, the special forces of the Navy, and how they go through this, uh, I mean, this incredible training. I, I couldn't go through that. I, on my best day, I couldn't have gone through that. But, but some of them have such a heart uh, to be a SEAL that they won't quit. They won't give up. And those that do, you know, they go over and ring the bell and they walk off, you know, they're, they're out of there. So we see that there can be a connection between the soul and the physical flesh. You can develop a heart as an athlete, as a soldier, or whatever it is, but there's that connection. Now, with what I saw about a marathon runner, which, which really interests me, that at the wall, when these guys hit the wall, when your mind is saying, quit, you're, you're tired, uh, your, your flesh is saying, I ain't got another step in me. Their heart rises up, and physiologically, because they have a heart to run that race, there is a release of, a, of what's that stuff called? The, no, not endorphins. Adrenaline. There's an adrenaline release that goes all through their muscles that strengthens them to finish the course. Well, I'd like to say the same thing's true of the Spirit. Amen? If you'll grow a heart for God, then no matter what your race may entail, God's got some something supernatural he impart to your heart. You may hit the wall of faith, so to speak, hit the wall where you're in the fight of faith, and you think there ain't nothing happening, there ain't anything going on, but God can stimulate your heart through your spirit, 
And you can get that, quote, spiritual adrenaline rush that'll carry you on to the victory. Amen? Now, as I begin to study this week, I mean, yeah, you, you start looking in the Word of God and looking in your concordance and all these different places, get on the computer. Man, there's so much in there. So I just took a few things. Just, I mean, this is just scratching the surface of what we call, I just kind of title it, with the heart. Now, the first area we talk, see about heart, H-E-A-R-T, in reference to mankind, is an evil heart. Over in, over in uh, Genesis chapter 6, where mankind, because of the sin of Adam, began to go and respond to the iniquity that was in the spirit, man began to develop an evil heart. Now we see that in Noah's day, the entire world had an evil heart. I mean, they were all corrupt. There's only one righteous heart amongst them, and that was Noah. And thank God for Noah, he saved himself and his family because of a righteous heart. Amen? So you can have, you can have an evil heart. Uh, out of that evil heart comes evil thoughts. Uh, God's, the Bible says God's heart was grieved with that. Also, the Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 8, the imagination of their heart was evil. So not only were they doing evil because evil was their heart, they were trying to figure out new ways to do it. Kind of sound like the world today, amen? Not only is there evil out there, they're trying to figure out new ways to do evil, amen? It talks about uh, uh, the imagina uh, imagination of their heart being evil. talks about the integrity of the heart, Genesis 20, how their hearts failed them uh, for fear in, in Genesis 42. Uh, Jacob's heart fainted in Genesis 45. talks about the joy of your heart. Remember the story of Pharaoh over there in Exodus. Several times the Bible says Pharaoh hardened his heart or God hardened his heart. Well, that's because his heart, his heart was subject to being hardened, amen? And he wouldn't let the people, uh, God's people go. You can be glad in your heart. You can have a willing heart. You can have a stirred heart. Remember we talked about, oh, where was it? Over there uh, when they were building the tabernacle there in Exodus. And the Bible says God stirred their heart to give toward the building of the tabernacle. Uh, you can have a, a heart of wisdom. You can have hate in your heart. You can have sorrow in your heart. You can have a discouraged heart. Uh, you can serve God with all of your heart. There can be uprightness of heart. Your heart can be lifted up. That's not a good thing, to have a lifted up or a prideful heart. Uh, uh, there can be unrighteousness of heart. You can have a wicked heart. The Bible calls it a wicked heart of unbelief. Now, you can be poor in heart. You can have a trembling heart. Uh, you can have a heart to perceive. You can be circumcised in heart. That's what we're believing God's going on here, is God is circumcising or cutting things out of our hearts that don't need to be there. Amen. Can I get a better amen? Well, let me just stop there for a moment. You say, now why? Because God's going to have to change our heart. We cannot have the same heart we've had for the last 15 years and do what God's calling us to do for the next 15 years. Our heart's got us this far, but it's not going to get us any further. Well, I kind of like things the way they are. Change your heart. Change your heart. We've got a big assignment. We've got a building to build. We've got nations to reach. We've got people to see get blessed. We've got a lot of lost people that need to be saved just right here in Galveston, not only all over the world. And that's going to take a change in the heart of the church. Glad you're so excited. I'm going to preach till it comes. Amen. Remember over in Joshua, Joshua 5, the Bible says, when they saw them begin to move, when the children of Israel begin to move across the Jordan River, there were five kings across that river. And when the people of God got moving, the enemies of the people of God, the Bible says their heart melted in them. Neither was there any fight in them any longer. I believe that's exactly what happens to the devil when God's people start moving. Amen. 
Uh, There's the thoughts of the heart. There's comfort of the heart. There's uh, the uh, the naughtiness of your heart. Remember over there when David slew Goliath, one of his brothers said, I know the naughtiness of your heart. Well, God, he didn't have any naughtiness in his heart. He's there to kill a giant, amen? And because of that, he had courage of heart. There's the heart of a lion. There's a heart of understanding. There's a soft heart. There's a hardened heart. There's a prepared heart. Now listen to this though. But more than any other reference to the heart in the word of God, there is reference to the heart that speaks. Let me say that again. The heart that speaks. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. You want to say, you want to see where you are uh, spiritually? Listen to yourself talk. Your own words reveal your heart. Now, you may say one thing privately and another thing publicly. Oh, what that's called is double-minded. You have a double-minded heart. Amen? But your heart is revealed. Now, we must understand a little side trail, then we'll get over to Luke 15. Everybody say faith. We know faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The Bible says in Romans 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now we get over into confession and people get real squirrely. They say, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start saying I'm gonna be a millionaire. But you don't believe that in your heart. Amen. Well, I'm just gonna start saying God gonna give me 40 oil wells. You don't believe that in your heart. Only the word of God can, can, now if the word of God convinces your heart that's yours, you need to start saying it. For the most part, if you don't tithe, you can't believe God for 40 oil wells. Come on, I ought to get a better amen than that. But we must understand that the heart establishes the standard of what we believe. So there are things that you're going to have to change your words in order to change your heart. I've heard people say some of the craziest things about their husband, about their wife. Yeah, say, say you work at a job. You say, man, I work a job. I'm so miserable at my job. I hate my boss. My boss is an idiot. Uh, I'm telling you, it's the worst job I ever had. I'm telling you, it's just, it's just ridiculous. I don't know why I even worked there. Listen, you have violated your own heart with your words, and you could have the best boss in the world and the easiest job, but you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Therefore, you possess everything you believe in and say it. That's why I don't ever say negative things about your children. Well, that one's just an idiot. I don't know why we had him. You know, that, you will believe. Don't say that about relationships. There's people that say, that. well, I can't get to them. They never, they never want to talk. Those types of things, the more you say it, the more you believe it in your heart, the more it becomes your reality. So if you're going to change any areas of your life in your heart, you're going to have to begin with your words. You're going to have to begin to change things you say about people, about places. I've heard, I've watched people, I used this illustration the other day. I had people come here and talk about how much they hated Galveston. They'd come to church, say, I I, I love the church, love your teaching pastor, love what the church is, but I I just hate coming to God, I just hate you. You never know when you go get a traffic jam on the causeway. You never know, you never know what's going to happen. I had one guy tell me this, hey, you come down here in the summer and people just take the clothes off. I've noticed people that say that never last very long. Usually three or four months, they're out of here. You say, well, they violated their own heart by their words. Never use your words to violate what God puts in your heart. I used the illustration a couple of weeks ago. I'd love to live on the North Shore of Kauai up at Princeville. Love to sit on the beach under that big, beautiful koi wood tree right there. Hang out all day long. But it's not in my heart. What's in my heart is to pastor the church here on Galveston Island. So I feed that calling with passion for what God is doing in my life. Did you get that? Now, go, if you will, to, to I just I sought the Lord for about three days 
last week, just praying in the spirit, going through scripture, my own personal Bible study. Everybody, anybody got personal Bible study? Do you read Proverbs every day? You study the Psalms every day? No, you start, all right, now I'm studying in the book of, uh, I'm in the book of Romans, doing a study out of the message, message Bible in the book of Romans. But I was just saying, now, Lord, there's got to be something in your word. You've got to have some illustration. And actually, in my mind, I was thinking about David and Saul, the two kings that reigned in Israel. And I actually began to develop some things on David and Saul. Maybe the Lord will let me preach it later. But actually, I think it was Wednesday, Wednesday in prayer here at the church. That's why it pays to pray. Wednesday in prayer here at the church, the Lord dropped something into my spirit. He said, now go research and look at this and study and meditate on it and preach on the heart out of there. And so I went and read it and the word heart's not even mentioned. And I thought, well, Lord, how can I preach on the heart out of there when the Lord heart, word heart's ever meant? He said, go read it again. So I went and read it again. And when I read it again, all through this story is the heart. All through this story. Now, we are familiar with the story. It's the story of what we call the prodigal son. Everybody say the prodigal son. Now, it begins in Luke 15. There in verse 11. Let's just begin there. It says, and he said, Jesus is speaking, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he, or the father, divided unto them his living, or what he had made, or what he had accumulated because of the way he made a living. Amen? So so first of all, we see there's two sons. Everybody say two sons. Now, this is a younger son. So always the younger, in scriptural reference, refers to immaturity. So there's some immaturity. But now we see this guy's heart. His heart is revealed in what he says. What does he say? Give me. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Like one guy prayed and said, my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. Well, you know, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you. He didn't say follow me and I'll give you. Some people are so consumed with their need is all they can think about is what God can do for them. Now, I've learned this over the years, and it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the great tragedies of these types of churches. And that is people that come in the crisis of life and have a great need, and they get very spiritual when they come, and they start praying, and they start believing God. And, you know, God in his mercy and his grace and his goodness always shows up. But then they get what they need from God, and once their need is met, it's amazing how they cool off. Prayer's not near as important. Coming to church is not near as important. Tithing and offering is not, because I don't have, why not? I don't have a problem. That's not the right heart. That's actually a give me heart. But here's the key. If you can only get this one key today, this will set you free and bless you like you've never been blessed before. If you serve God only for what God can do for you, then what God can do for you is going to be very limited. But if you'll serve God for who he is, oh, the great Jehovah God, God Almighty, Elohim, creator of all that is and will ever be, God that loves you, God that redeemed you, God that sent his only begotten son, Jesus. If you'll serve God for who he is, what he can do for you is unlimited limited. Amen. So here's this, here's this kid. And he just got the wrong heart. He just got the wrong heart. Gimme, gimme, gimme. And the next scripture says, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted, everybody say wasted, wasted his substance with riotous living. Have you ever noticed when you were living riotously, you never got ahead. Amen. 
You never got ahead. I don't care how many times you went out and bought a pound of weed and we're going to break it up into 16 lids and you were going to sell that many, make your money back and then have these many lids. It never worked. Where's my honest people in here? It never worked. Riotous living does not produce blessing. That just came to me for some reason, you know. <laughs> Amen. It doesn't work. Riotous living does not work. Now, here's the mistakes this young man made. Number one, he left the father's house. Now, listen, this brings up another point which your heart has to be right. There is a, there is a doctrine in the word of God of submission. And people don't like submission because they don't like it. I heard somebody, ain't nobody controlling me. You're crazy. From the time you get up in the morning till the time you go to bed at night, you are controlled. They tell you how fast you can drive. They tell you where you can turn left, where you can turn right. They tell you about a one-way street. You know, I heard a story about a guy who got drunk the other day. He got drunk and started driving up a, a, a one-way street. And thank God the police finally caught him and pulled him over. And he said, what are you doing? He said, well, he said, I was heading somewhere, but it looks like I'm late because everybody that was there looks like they're already coming back. <laughs> that doesn't work amen listen there is submission to God everybody say submission to God the Bible says submit yourself therefore unto God resist the devil and he'll flee from you then there's the submission to the, to the, to the authority of the church then there's submission one to another Listen, God doesn't want to control you. God wants to set you free. But listen, he wants to maintain his blessing in your life. And in the Father's house, God still has control of your blessing. And anything God controls, he can add to and eventually multiply and cause it to increase in your life in such a way you think, thank God I let God have what he blessed me with. Now he left the Father's house. Now let me just say this. When he left the Father's house, he went into another system. I'm telling you, there's another system out there. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't worry me. Say, oh, pastor, I think a great recession is coming. I think a great depression. It doesn't bother me. I'm not going to go into recession. I'm not going to go into dep depression. I'm going to live in the Father's house. I'm going to stay in the Father's house. I'm going to have the Father controlling all my blessing. I'm going to have the Father controlling all my life so I can have everything the Father has. Amen. Now, look, look at it. what else happened to this guy. It said, when he had spent all, anytime God blesses you, and you take with what God has blessed you with outside the Father's, and I mean healing in your body, prosperity in your pocketbook, peace in your marriage, joy in your heart, no matter what it is, and you take it outside the Father's house and you begin to abuse it and use it, there comes an end to it. The Bible says he did what? He spent all. He spent all. There always comes an end to the blessing when you leave the Father's house. But the good news is, the reciprocal of that truth is, when you stay in the Father's house. You say, you're talking about just coming to church every day? No, I'm talking about being in the Father's house means being under the constraint and the control of the Word of God. That's living in the Father's house. That's living for God. That's living and serving God out of your heart. Amen? And so he spent all. Everybody say he spent all. He spent all. And there arose a mighty famine in the land. See what was in the land got into him. I'm telling you, there's prejudice in this land. There's political turmoil in this land. There's rioting in this land. There's, there's, there, there's famine. There's a famine of morality in this land. There are all kinds of famines. There are all kinds of problems. But it ain't in me. I said, it's not in me. What's in the land don't have to be in you.
What's in the land don't have to be in you. You can make a decision. I'm not going to have that stuff. That's not part of me. I'm living in the Father's house. So what was going on in the land, God in him, he began to be in want. Now notice this. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. Now, I need to notice this. And no man gave unto him. In the same book that Dr. Luke wrote, it says in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it shall be given back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That only works in God's system. You do it in the world system, it ain't going to work. You go out there and you buy everybody a drink, nobody ever responds back. You go back and give all your goods away, give all your stuff to people. They never respond back. That is not the world system. The world system is to take everything you have and when you've got nothing left, to turn and walk away from you. But that's not in the family of God. I ought to get a better amen than that. Now listen, you've got to understand the setting in which this is being said. Jesus is speaking to these Jewish guys. I mean pigs, there's no bacon in, Jew, in, 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 a, in, a, in a, what do they call it, a... Uh, kosher breakfast I like bacon myself amen I remember I was in Israel for eight days and I had to eat that kosher breakfast which is either dairy or meat and after eight days of that I flew into Lucerne Switzerland and I came down the stairs of the hotel and I could smell bacon cooking my mouth water talking about it get me a napkin wipe my mouth amen and, and, and dad was sitting there, Papa was sitting there, and he had this big plate of scrambled eggs with bacon strips all across the top. And I didn't even sit down. I, the waitress, I said, I'll take one of those. <laughs> but now to those Jewish people, they were unclean. That was an unclean animal, and they would have nothing to do with it. And for a Jewish boy to end up in a pig pen wanting to eat the food of a pig, that was the lowest that anybody could come. But now notice this. This, this is such, this, I've never preached it from this angle before. This is such a good word. Verse 17, and when he came to himself. Now listen, there comes a time in your life, church, when you just got to come to yourself. You got to do it. You've got to make a decision. I'm tired of low living. I'm tired of just barely getting by. I'm tired of constantly being depressed. I'm tired of having no joy. There, and see, here's what, what, is, what has evolved in American society is we blame all of our problems on other people. Well, it ain't my fault. It ain't my fault. It's my boss. It's the mayor. It's the governor. It's the president. It's the government. It's this person. Or, uh, or it's, it's, because, it's because of the area I, I live in. It's because, listen, we become all of these victims. But in reality, the only person you can do anything about you. And you can live as a victim your whole life and it'll never change anything and your heart will never change. But down in this filth and down in this, this cursed place, this kid came to himself. Now, let me say this. This may help some of you. You don't have to go to the pig pen to have a change of heart. I did. I had somebody ask me one time, if you had it all to do over, would you do it like that again? No. When God called me to preach at age 17, I'd have finished high school, I'd have gone to Ramah, I'd have gone to Oral Roberts, and I'd have gone on the mission field. Or whatever else God wanted me to do. I would not have spent 12 years away from God. I would not have gotten in the pig pen. But one day, one day, I came to myself and recognized and realized all of my problems are because of one person. 
And that person was staring back at me in the mirror. And you can blame it on the devil. You can blame it on your parents. You can blame it on whatever you want to blame it on. But it's not until you come to yourself. That's exactly what this guy did. Now notice what happened. Right here is a heart change happening. Right in the scriptures, there's a heart change happening. He came to himself and he said, what did I say about your words? He began to change his words. Listen to what he said. Listen to what he said. He said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare? (coughs) Excuse me. And I perish with hunger. I will arise. I will go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee am no longer worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now, here's his heart change. He began, give me. Now he's make me. Give me didn't work. Give me didn't work. And then listen, he's not trying to come back in full sonship. He's not trying to come back in some exalted position. He says, listen, I see the servants of my father's house are better off than I am. If I can just go get a job as the lowliest servant in my father's house, as long as I'm in my father's house, I'm going to be okay. Oh, come on, church. When you recognize and and notice how it started. He said, he said, I remember. Late 1983, December, January, February, March the 7th is when I came to myself and got right with God. But what I did not realize, well, there were two things. One, there were a lot of people praying for me at that time. I met three people that told me during those three months that they were constantly interceding for me, praying for me. But I begin to say strange things to people. I mean, some of my best friends, I'd be in there partying with them and I'd say, you know, this is about it for me. And they'd look at me and say, what do you mean? I won't be partying like this anymore. And they would look at me and say, what? And I'd say, well, I don't know, you know. I did it with, I did it with my brother, Alan. I went in and, 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 and he rolled up a big joint. I said, this is the last joint I'll ever smoke with you. Did I say that? My words, my words started to change. You say, why? Because God was doing something in my heart. Amen. I remember talking to some people. And they were talking about all this party they were going to do and all this kind of stuff. And I told them, I said, no, you know. And they were telling you it was going to be, you know, a, a month or so down the road. And, and, and going, it was actually going to, you know, we used to go to, to uh, uh, Port Isabel to the surfing contest at Easter time. It's going to be at Easter time. And they were talking about going down there and going to Mexico, you know, and drinking cough syrup and smoking weed and doing all this kind of wild stuff we used to do down there. And I told them, I won't be going. I thought that was strange myself. But see, out of my spirit was coming words. And those words were preparing me for a heart change. And some of you, if you will just listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to you, you will be able to come to yourself and recognize and realize God's trying to produce a heart change in you. Now, that's what's happening to this kid. Now, the younger son, everybody say the younger son. Number one, he had an immature heart. He had a greedy heart. He had a wandering heart. He had a foolish heart. There was no submission in his heart, but he came to himself. And when he came to himself, he had a change of heart. He had a convicted heart. And because of that, he had a repentant heart. Now, can you imagine? I will arise. I'll tell you, you don't have no pride when you do that. I will arise. I'll go to my father. I'll say, Father, I've sinned before heaven and in thy sight. I'm no worthy to be called thy son. Now make me as one of your hired servants. Now notice this, notice this. 
It says, uh, verse 20, and, and he arose. Everybody say, he arose. That means he got up. He started doing something about what he said. And he came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto the father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But it's like the father just interrupted him. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found and they begin to be merry. The Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Now listen to the heart of the father. The father has an observant heart. He's always watching you. He has a compassion. Now see, some people say, yeah, he's always watching me. See when he can kill me. Well, that's the way a lot of people think. But God, listen, God's not the one that messes up your life. God's the one that straightens out your life. So he observes us. He watches us. He has a compassionate heart. And because of a compassionate heart, he has passion. He has a giving heart. He has a heart of celebration. He has a heart, he has a merry heart. He has a heart of restoration. And he has a revealing heart. The father reveals his heart. So here comes this kid. He smells like pigs. He looks like the world. He's all messed up. Right in the middle of his repentive, you know, speech that he's making, the father interrupts him and sends the servants to get the best robe. Now, all of these three things have great significance. I don't have time to teach on it. But what he was doing is the father was fully restoring him to a position of sonship. He didn't want servants. He had all the servants he needed. He wanted children. You say, what do you mean? God wants children. Out of children come servants. Not out of servants come children. He wants children, sons and daughters, that recognize how good it is to live in the father's house. Now, how's my time? Oh, I've got just a few minutes. Verse 25, now the elder son, everybody say the elder son. The elder son was in the field, and as he came and as he drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. Everybody say music and dancing. You know, music and dancing ought to be a good thing. Amen? He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants, and he asked what these things meant. He said to him, thy brother is come, and the father has killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. Now notice this. And he was angry and would not go in. What? You mean this guy's living in the father's house and he's got the wrong heart? Yep. Which means you can leave the father's house, have the wrong heart. You can still have the wrong heart and leave in the father's house. And when you do, what's amazing about it is, is you can hide the wrong heart year after year and, and think, nobody knows I feel this way. Nobody knows I, but eventually something will happen that will reveal your heart through your words and your actions. Everybody say, ow. Say, not me. That's why you're going to keep the right heart, amen. But now notice, notice this guy. Number one, he's the elder son, so that, that, that denotes maturity. But number one, secondly, angry. Now listen, every time you get angry, there's a reason. I've never gotten angry for no reason. Just, you know, stop saying, no, I'm just going to get angry. Just gonna get. You know what anger is? Anger is a sudden rush of uncontrollable emotion. You say wrong things. You do wrong things. My goodness, if we, if we, get, if we get all, all the people out of prison that acted in anger would empty out the prisons. 
Amen. Anger, listen, anger motivates you to do something. If you thought about it, you'd never done it. Anger, anger, anger will connect to your mouth. You'll say bad things. It'll connect to your actions. You'll do bad things. Amen. So here comes this guy in, and he has this sudden rush of emotion. Angry. What are you angry at? I'm, I'm mad. Why are you mad? I don't even know I'm mad. Music and dancing. My brother's back. So there are issues. Now, much anger in the kingdom, in the body of Christ, is because of unresolved issues of hurt and pain. So anger rushes out and manifests itself in areas of your life where you have unresolved issues and pain. That's why you've got to deal with those issues. You've got to have a heart to change in every area of life. And if you'll make a decision to do so, it's amazing how quickly. Listen, this guy, the, the younger son, had an immediate heart change when the Bible said he came to himself. It don't take that long. He said, I'll tell you, I'll believe God years and years from now. My heart might change. No, it can happen in an instant. You can make a decision to be healed of your hurt, to be healed of your pain, to deal with the issues, and to change your heart. Now, this guy's angry. Then he said this, he would not go in. Wouldn't go into a party. Not an unrighteous party, a righteous party. They're in there dancing. They're in there making music. They're, they're being, it's a great day. They've killed the fatted calf. Not, not just, the, you know, oh, if you go do a study of the fatted calf. This was a special calf that reserved special stuff, like a marriage, like your daughter getting married or your son getting married or, or, or some great thing happening in the family. That's the fat. But what the father said, my son coming back is a great enough thing to require that the fatted calf be killed. Whose heart was full of joy? The father's heart. But the son came in, he can't connect to it. Now notice this, because your heart always gets revealed by what you say. He would not go then. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither I transgressed uh, thy commandment at any time, uh, and yet thou never gavest me a kid. One translation says a skinny goat. Thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. Woo! You just got busted, buddy. You say, what do you mean? The same give me wrong heart is in you that's in the younger boy. You just covered it up with religion. You just covered it up with religion is all you did. You covered it up. Listen to what he says. I never transgressed. Never transgressed at any time thy commandment. You know what he's saying? I've done it all right. I'm perfect. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing worse than self-righteousness. There's nothing worse. I've done, I don't know why God's not blessing me. I've done the right things. I've been in church every service. I've tithed and offered. Even when I had to go without, I've been in every prayer meeting. But if your heart's not right, and I don't understand why these people came here. It just seems like they've been here three weeks and God, they got a new house and God's blessed them and healed his body. I don't know what's going on here. I do. You're like the older brother. And the problem with the older brother is the first person he has an issue with is daddy. He is blind. Now listen to this. Because his heart is not right toward his father, he is blinded to the compassion and mercy that the father is giving the younger son. And when our heart is not right toward the father, 
Listen, church, people have done this over the past 15 years. People are going to continue to do it. They're going to come in right out of hell, right out of darkness, right out of all kinds of problems. They're going to get saved. They're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. They're going to get on fire for God. God's going to begin to bless them. And if you get mad, if you get angry, if you get upset because somebody has a great testimony of what God's done in in their life, you're going to end up like the man in the miracle pool in John chapter 5. And you're going to sit around the miracle pool year after year after year, getting more and more bitter, more and more angry, more and more jealous. Amen. Uh, You want to see an arena. This really works. And get around preachers. I mean, I've been around with those that have and those that don't have. And I don't know why I haven't got an airplane. I don't know. Listen, you got to get your eyes off people. I don't care what. Listen, every preacher in the world could possess part of the earth in a gold bowl. It doesn't matter to me. I still got to serve God. I still got to serve God the way God says for me to serve him. You can't allow that to affect your life. Now notice what he says. But as soon as our son was come, which hath devoured thy living, so he's got his eyes on all the material things, with harlots that has killed the fatted calf for him. Now listen to the father. The father said unto the son, Thou art ever with me. All that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is now alive again, was lost and is now found. The older son had an angry heart. Because his heart was angry, it was resistant. And anytime you have an angry and resistant heart, you have legalism. And legalism is one of the worst things you can get into. It's religious, and legalism always, always produces a religious heart. And a religious heart always leads to a heart of accusation. This week, we've had all these Jehovah's Witnesses on, on the beach. I don't confront them anymore. I just, I just, they're, they're, they're too religious. But if you ever do, they become very accusational against you. I mean, they'll accuse you right to your face. You don't know anything. You need to know what I know. I mean, and you try to get in somehow uh, sideways or, or get a word in. I mean, it's just not there. Their hearts are wrong. You say, why? Legalism, all that type of stuff does not work. It produces the wrong heart. But honey, you can have a heart for religion. Follow me to Ireland sometime where I preached so much back in the 90s where they killed each other for it. Amen. Even, even among the Muslims, they have different sects of Muslim tribes that will fight one another because, well, we believe. I remember the old Star Trek uh, uh, back when, uh, who was he? William Shatner, back, you know, when the, the television show was on. I think it only ran like seven or eight years or six or seven years or something like that. But one of the, and I've seen it since I was a kid, so that's why it impressed me so much. There was these two guys. And they were fighting, and they were they had somehow evolved into these, these, these super beings, and they were the only two left of their world. Their world was destroyed. It was destroyed by war. And these were the only two left, and they were fighting one another. And so, of course, they ended up on the Starship Enterprise, fighting one another, almost destroyed. So, 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 so of course, Captain and Spider trying to figure out what went on. Finally, they got him into a situation of Saturday night and said, What is the deal? Now, one of them was black on one side and white on the other. And the other was white on one side and black on the other. And the guy said, both of them said at the same time, can't you see what the problem is? And, and I remember I, I, what would the, Spock, the logical one, looked at him and said, no. What is the problem? Why, he's black on the right side. I'm white on the right side. And the other one spoke up and said, 
He's white on the left side. I'm black on the left side. And they both looked at each other and said, this is the reason. And they tried to, they tried to, they tried to bring peace, and they, those two guys wouldn't have it. And the end of the show, it shows them spinning out into the universe, just fighting, 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 over no reason whatsoever. And what impressed me about that is that's, that's the way people get. They've got a, a rebellious heart. They want to fight. They get in their heart. They get religious. They get, they, get, they get all this legalism. They get all this stuff in them. And it's so simple just to turn your heart to Jesus. Because Jesus will heal your heart. He will soften your heart. He will speak into your heart. And he will change your heart. Now, let me close with this. Your heart is being fed continually by sources. Everybody say sources. Now your soul sits in the, middle, in, the, in the middle of your being. We are a spirit. But you all must remember that the spirit remains in the unseen realm. That's our identity. That's what we are. But, but, but your information gates are physical, which relate to your soul. You see, you hear, you feel, you smell, you taste. Are you with me? So those those. Those soulish things, many times stimulated by the flesh, feed your heart. But you've got to cut that off and let your spirit begin to feed your heart. You say, how do I do that? That's why you come to church. That's why you read the Bible every day. That's why you pray. That's why you get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why you do all the spiritual things you do. You are giving God access to your heart. But if you don't, what will happen is your heart will be stimulated by what you hear, feel, see, taste, and smell. And Satan is a master at stimulating your flesh in order to cause you to betray your spiritual heart. That's why we renew our minds with the Word of God. Why? So our minds cannot go into our hearts and talk us out of what God says belongs to us. I mean, I've had a lot of times my mind said, that ain't gonna happen, this ain't gonna happen. I say, shut up. You're not my God. Amen? So you've got to begin to look at what's feeding my heart. If you have a heart of doubt, if you have a heart of fear, if you're looking at the future, and this is what happens to a lot of people, and this is what I really believe in God to change in us as a church. You look out down, down well, we're in 2017, January's gone by, we're in February, early February, and you look out and you don't see any hope for the future. So you say, things, you know, I guess things will be the same. In a month, six weeks, two months. So you have no expectancy. Because an expectant heart will receive from God. That's called hope. And faith is the substance of things. So we can go tie redemptive and faith things right back to the heart. Are you with me? But see if you start feeding your heart. See, I've been feeding my heart. That's why I haven't given. The Bible says, uh, uh, Jesus said, I give no place to the devil. I give no place to the devil when it comes to our building. The expansion of the kingdom of God through Island Church. I don't care what I see. If two people showed up next week, it wouldn't discourage my heart. You say, why? Because I would see those two people as the seed for what God wants to do instead of an indictment against me. You say, how can you do that? Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And where you need a heart change 
is to look down your, the, 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 the spoke of your future. I say spoke because I relate it to a wheel that's spinning and God's sitting on the hub directing all that's going on in your life. And you need to look down. See, I look down it and I see us in a building. I see us affecting nations in a better way. I see teams going out and touching nations. I see all kinds of evangelism. I see all kinds. You say, how's that going to happen? have to get our hearts right. Our hearts have to change because our heart over 15 years has developed to what we are, so it's gotten us to this point, but it won't get us any further. It'll keep us, but you never want to stay in the same place. You ever gone somewhere you've never been before and, 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 and discovered the, uh, uh, the, the expectancy, especially if it's someplace you really wanted to go? You know, take a trip to Hawaii, go to Europe, maybe to Ireland, go to Paris, go to, go to you know, down to South America, go somewhere, and you've never been there. You've never been there. But all of a sudden, you're, you're at the airport. You, you know, they're stamping your passport. Uh, they're taking your tickets. You're, 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 getting a, you're, you're getting into the plane. There's this excitement, and th- there's, this, there's this element of the unknown, but it's not intimidating. It's actually pleasurable. Because you've always wanted to go there. You've seen it in pictures. You, you watched a movie about it. You know, you, you had a friend that went there, and they told you all about it. Now you're on your way. Well, that's exactly how the word works. That's, that's why God gets, gets me up here and gets me encouraging you all the time, telling you, go on with God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Go on with God. The journey is worthy of the destination. Because when you get there, although you've never been there before, even the journey itself is pleasurable. Especially if you have an expectation, a joy. Some of you are on your way to divine health. Some of you are going to have great breakthroughs and prosperity and blessing. Some of you, bondages that have been on your life for, for actually in your family for generations that will get broke off of you and you'll help your family and others come out of those bondages. See, you're on the way. Everybody say on the way. That's why we live, ooh, I don't want to get into that, from faith to faith and glory to glory, but it's as we're changed and where do those changes take place? In our hearts. Our spirit man is already, it's already standing up saying, do it, do it, do it. Listen to it. That's it. And, and, and our flesh will over here say, well, I don't know. I'm, I, it sounds good to me. I, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think, mind? I don't know. What do you think, emotions? I don't feel like it. What do you think? What do you think, Will? I don't know. That's when your spirit steps around your heart and says, shut up. We're going with God. Get in the back seat and shut up. Amen. And that keeps you from being double-minded, which double-minded, the Bible says, double-minded men and women are unstable in all of their ways. And what a double-minded person is, is a person who is not secure in their heart about their father. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Thank you this morning, Heavenly Father, that our hearts are being tried, our hearts are being weighed. And I thank you for changes of our heart. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.